today's episode, Dave interviews comedian Maz Jabrani. Maz is a founding member of the Access of Evil Comedy Tour, has appeared in Friday After Next, The Interpreter, and has a Showtime comedy special, I Come in Peace. I'm Ian Foley, and this is ADD Comedy. Yeah, I took my two-year-old girl to her school today, dropped her off. Uh-huh. I came home, hung out, they had a couch delivery. Got I, I, basically, I basically can create my whole, my whole day when I'm home because right. unless if an audition or something comes up, it's basically, um, it's my time. I was, I was just thinking, I was like, I'm a really, I'm, I have the, I was saying like, I have the best life in the world yeah. in one way, right? Yeah. And I'm, I'm very appreciative of it. Mm-hmm. The hard part of being on the road is having young kids is you go, I, I try to go for a short period. I'll go for like, you know, four or five days, you know, like leave on a Thursday, come back on a Monday. Now you've seen them all week, but when you go Thursday, come back on a Monday with little kids, they go from... It, it feels like you, you left and they and you come back and they're like college educated and ready. I mean, it, it's just you miss stuff. It's horrible. My, the other day, my, my, my four year old now he's almost he's gonna be five end of June. He has started. He's at the point where they start reading now. Right. So my wife got him these books that have very simple words and it's a lot of sight words and stuff. You know? Right. So he's doing it. So she, I was in Dallas and she's like, he's reading and I'm and she's like, I'm crying and I was like. I was like, oh my God, you know, I'm not there for this, you know? I know. know? What's so interesting is we forget that everything that we did, we had to learn. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you just drank. Yeah. You had to learn that. Oh my God, David. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. It's crazy watching (laughs) just the simplest things. Right. And and we were just talking about Louis C.K. What's interesting Mm -hmm. is he's he's been doing a lot of kid material, Mm -hmm. and because I have kids, I've I've started to do a lot more kid material. I think think that, because you've been... From what I've been following you, and just following you, I don't know how to say this. You're in for an, you're in for an evolution. It's nice to hear you say that. Yeah. Because I think that you've, you don't need to do, with all due respect, you don't need to do that material that you were doing before. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And that's, I think that's, I forget who it was. It was either Louis C.K. or Chris Rock or somebody, somebody was talking about when you start in comedy. Like the types of the, the material you do at a certain point, mm-hmm. it, it starts evolving. Like like you just said, right? So you start out you're talking about you know it's a it's a little hackier, it's a little more family, not not family, but like you know just just it's a wider net, isn't wider it? Wider net, jokey, mm-hmm. jokey, and right. then and then as you go, then you you go to different places. So for me, during the Bush administration, and because September 11th had happened, and right. because even before September, 11th, I was talking about being a Middle Eastern in America. Right. September 11th happens. And this is now in my wheelhouse. Right. And at first, I'm going. At first, right at the September 11th, I'm like, I can't ever be funny again. Right when September 11th. I think happened. so many people thought there was the because I was directing a main stage show in, in Chicago at Second City at that time. Yeah. And you and you go, what do you do with that? What do you do? What do you do with that? What do you do? But, do? Yeah. But keep and, going. And so then, so then, but then, but then Bush comes out, and I start seeing what they're doing. Right. And and wait a minute, like this isn't quite where I thought it was going to go. Now I go now. It's my job to talk about some of these things. Like just today, I read just right now. I read that after this Boston thing, uh, they pulled off these two guys off of an airplane. They were speaking Arabic. Who right. were at a distance? They were talking Arabic together. And I do a joke about this. Somebody actually sent me the link, uh, uh, and they and they go. The joke I do is because this has happened a few times now, where people are walking down the aisle speaking Arabic and they freak people out on the airplane. And the joke I do is I say, look, people, my my Arab brothers and sisters, if you're walking down the aisle speaking Arabic. 
you got to throw in some random good words to put people at ease. <laughs> so as you're walking, going al mahal 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 mahal, just turn to the turn to the turn to the you know to the people. Go strawberry, al mahal 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 rainbow. You know, so like oh, they're talking about strawberries and rainbows. Right. So right. somebody sent me right. that link. It has so, to be strawberry and rainbow because it can't be McDonald's or uh, the Statue of Liberty. No, no, don't do that. No, no, that's not exactly. Don't don't talk don't talk about the wrong thing. <laughs> You know, we're talking about like, you know. I like strawberries and rainbows. It's like, who's going to blow up a rainbow? Who's going to blow up a rainbow? You can't blow up a rainbow. Not that, I don't, maybe, I don't maybe think. You can, yeah. Maybe you can. Maybe you can. Evil leprechauns? Evil leprechauns. You like, never know. Really, I'm yeah. leprechauns. Yeah. Um, but um, so, so, so at that point, it felt like that was the material. I had, to, I had to talk about a lot of that stuff. Right. And it was just what was on my mind. End of the day, comedians, I think, like stand-ups, we're, we're talking about uh, you talk about what interests you. Right. You know what I'm saying? So that's why like half the stand-ups are talking about getting laid because right. they're trying to get laid the whole time. Right. You know? So, so um, you know, the politics and stuff had me going. That's what was on my mind. Now mm. that I have kids, I, I can't help but get material because right. I hang out with them and what you just said. Right. And, and what I was getting at with, with, with the Louis thing is sometimes I'll do something and I go, Does, is Louis doing that? Right. Is Tom Papa doing it? Who's, right. Somebody's doing this. Right. And I'm like, I hope, I wish there were like a place you could go and look. Especially with Louis. Especially with Louis. I mean, and and, the, and uh, what's his name? The Louis. Jim Gaffigan? No, no, no. The oh. Louis fight with. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. With uh, Dane Cook. Yeah, with Dane Cook. Yeah, yeah. You know, you look at that and you go, whoa. But wasn't there also. There was Carlos Shapiro. And, Louis Shapiro and, and Jay, Jay Moore. Moore. Right. Now, Jay Moore admitted to taking Shapiro's stuff. Right. And he also admitted to um, uh, taking, um, uh, Burt Kreischer had a story, and he admitted to taking that, which my, my response to that is, well, Jay, if that's happening twice, then you got to look at yourself. Right. And he's a funny guy. Right. And I've seen him do stuff that I, I, I thought was his original stuff, but the problem becomes, if you do it twice, no matter what the, the, the distance is, and you knowingly do it, he knowingly talks about taking, he, I mean, I, I don't know if you've heard the story, but I was listening to, his, to an interview, and he goes, he basically was on SNL, right. and he was feeling the pressure, right. and there was a bit that Shapiro did, and he goes, I took that, and I wrote right. it to submit it, not thinking it's gonna go to air. Well, you shouldn't be taking that submitted nope. anyway. No, nope. You know what I'm nope. That's the problem nope. there. And I had Rick, I, Rick was on, was, was on the podcast, yeah. and uh, we didn't talk about that, but he's, he's one of those crazy fuckers like Robin Williams, yeah. where you don't know, it's like, oh, he's all over the place. Yeah. Um, so he, you know, but, but Rick knew, like, once you get wind of that, man, I don't, I don't know how you do it's it. It's not, you know, it's, it's interesting. So, so, the, so the problem becomes there's some guys who, like you said, if, if, first of all, if you're too prolific, there might, there's usually a problem. Too prolific. I don't know what that means. What I meant by that is like, you know, like Mencia became known for taking stuff, right? right. And again, I, I heard his interview uh, with Marin, and he was and he was basically saying like, "Yeah, I might have heard something and riffed on it." If in the Robin doing, Williams way. Robin Williams way. Right. And if you're doing if you're doing two hours a night, and and you're, you're you know some of the materials coming out and it's and it's it's not personal. Right. You're running into these places where you're going okay, and now and now again. Like the thing that a lot of people have said about Mencia is he's a great he like he sells it he's a good performer right right so you know the 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 the, the issue becomes well maybe he took that bit not knowing he took the bit took it made it really good but wait a minute Bill Cosby's doing that bit like the whole Bill Cosby thing they put up where it's like you know you raise your son then he scores a touchdown and he goes hi mom 
Well, that's Bill Cosby, you know. It's Bill Cosby. And that's, that's the problem. It's not Rick Shapiro. It's not Rick Shapiro. Who, who is, you know, who, like, fuck it. Like, there's stand-ups, there's Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby's, yeah. And who else? Yeah, that's it. There was Carlin. Yeah, there was Carlin. Cos- Cosby is Cosby. I mean, Cosby there's is Cosby. Yeah. And, I, and I, I don't even know that people even look at Bill Cosby anymore and see him as a stand-up. Right. But those of us who have been in a comedy yeah. for so long go, yeah. Oh, fucking Cosby. Well, you know what? The pro- Here's the problem. The problem is there is not, like, if you, and I, if you and I had an idea right now and we go, hey, I got this idea. It's this thing. You get in it and you press a button and it drives you somewhere. Right. You know, and you go, oh, the car. They already have the car. You know, we could, we could look it up and be like, oh, they right. already have a car. Right, right, right. We can't right. do that. You know? Right, right, so, right. But, but right. stand up, I, I remember actually early on when I was new to the art form, I was at the comedy store and I was talking to this waitress and I was like, there's got to be a way to copyright material. Like, like have someone come, like the Copyright Stand-Up Comedy Association, come, to record your set, put it in some vault, right? And then if you have to, if you want to, and you date it and everything, and then if you have to go, you go and you go. Hey, that's my thing. Now right. here's now here's the thing, here's the thing. Um, the the problem becomes um, a lot of experiences are similar, right? Right. Right. The other thing is, like I said, you don't know if someone it, like I, I, my, my problem is that I'm sometimes I'm worried. Like I'm, I'm worried if I'm if I'm doing someone else's joke, I want to know. So I start asking around because I don't want. I, I'm never. I've never. Well, been so what that. you're saying about is, uh, you know, is is Louis doing doing the kids? The kids. He's doing the, well, the kids stuff. So right. the problem with the kids stuff becomes like like the other day I was doing this thing. I was doing this. Uh, so I do a bit about my kids. My kids are young. They don't sleep. I do a whole bit about them not sleeping and how right. like your whole goal when you're a parent of young kids, your whole goal from the moment you wake up is to make them tired. Right. You're running them. You're making them climb, fly, whatever you got to do. Right. Right. Um, and then I was riffing at the comedy store and blah, blah, blah. And then I, I saw this couple and I go, you guys, you guys got kids? And they go, no. And I go, see, I go, you guys. And, and this was in the middle of my kids. Now they're young, but they go to these schools. So they were on, they were on spring break and mm-hmm. we have a nanny, mm-hmm. but our nanny had left. So it was me and my wife immersed with the two kids, which right. is great. That's what you, we're parenting. Yes, that's basically. called parenting. That's called yes, parenting. Yeah, yeah. My but, folks did it for a yeah, long yeah, yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what was crazy is, so I was in the middle of it. So I came to this show that night, like exhausted from the day. Mm-hmm. And, it, and I was, and I just started, I was like, I wasn't angry, but I was like, I was, I was, I was. I was you were on stage. I was on stage yeah. exuding the emotion, which was right. great. It's great for stand-up. Right. And then I right. looked at the couple. I go, you guys, I go, you guys don't have kids. I go, for I go, so you guys tonight. You guys could go to Vegas if you wanted to. I go, you guys could get in a car and drive to Vegas. I go, I couldn't drive to Vegas. I go, if I decide, if I wanted to go to Vegas, two people would die. You know? <laughs> so that was, and I, and I said that, and it got a laugh, and I go, ooh, that's a good joke. And then I go, has Louis done this? Right. And so I don't know. I started asking people. Right, like, right. I'm asking people, I'm like, has right. Louis done this? Right, right. Now, but if it comes from you. Yes. Then it's gotta be okay. You well, know that, what I mean? But no, but no, no. The, the setup is for me. That's fine. But I'm not I'm talking about saying, the setup. I'm talking about that punch. But of, that punch is your punch still because your punch it came from you. You know what I mean? I know. Organically came from you. I know. But my question becomes this. Here's my question. Like I, I, I haven't watched his show this season. Right. But the first couple of seasons I was watching his show a lot, and he would have little bits where he does stand up, and I sat there and I go. Did I hear him do that somewhere and subconsciously get, right. not? So I'm trying to ask people, and, I'm, and I was thinking to myself, who is an expert on Louis mm-hmm. material right. so that they can tell me if he does this? Because I don't want... Well, there's Louis. There's Louis, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I, I could call him up and be like, yo, what's up, bro? You know, <laughs> who, I, th- I think I did that. Who did I do that with? I asked, there was a couple people that, 
I've done that with before where I go, do you do this thing? And right. they go, no, no. And I go, thank God. Right. Because I don't want to, I mean, I'll tell you the, 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 the story about, again, this is just how, this is how crazy this, this whole thing is, right? So this whole doing someone else's material is, mm-hmm. um, a little while ago, little hemorrhoid starts coming out of nowhere. Right. I got an itchy butt. Got it. I got my itchy butt and I'm, I start mm-hmm. riffing on an itchy butt joke, mm-hmm. right? Itchy butt joke, how you don't want to itch it in public and you try to be smooth about it and da 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 yada, yada, yada. Right. Yada. One night I'm at the Laugh Factory. Mm-hmm. Dane Cook shows up. I'm friends with Dane. Dane mm-hmm. shows up. Uh, he's going to go up after me. He goes, hey, man, are you going to be doing like your A material or are you working stuff out? And I go, Dane, you know, because Dane wants to go Do up. Do people and, that ask that? Because I don't know. I don't know the sometimes, universe. Sometimes people will say, I guess, I guess, you know, look, a guy like Dane Cook, when he goes up, because of the fan base that he has. Right. Um, they expect him, or forget whether it's Dane Cook, Chris Rock, anybody. When when some of these guys show up that are so well known, and they go, "Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Rock," the crowd is like, "Oh my God!" Right now, Chris Rock does a really good. He's very good at working out. What he does is he comes up. I've seen him come up and be like, "Hey, what's up, guys? Listen, uh, you know, I'm just gonna be working some stuff out." Like, lets them know, right, so that they understand. Because some people don't even understand, right. Well, isn't that sort of like uh, what um, Jerry Seinfeld did in The Comedian? Did you the see comedian, The Comedian? Yeah, yeah, right. Comedian, exactly. Right. He did that in that. Uh, I think that's Which the Which is best. a great documentary. Great documentary. That's something every comedian or every fan any of comedy artist, I think yeah. any artist where you go, you know what, I've been doing this material for a long time. What if I just fucking stop right now? Yeah. What if I just stop right yeah. now? Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. That's so, so, so what's interesting, I've seen, I've seen Chris Rock do it. I've seen... Uh, uh, Paul Rodriguez, of all people, he came. Paul Rodriguez was funny about it. He came up, he's like, "Hey, what's up? You know, I'm gonna be trying some stuff out. You guys gonna help me out?" Like he would do a joke, but it wouldn't work. He's like, "All right, that one's gone. This one," and it was great because right. the crowd was in it. Well, you're t- it's, that's your audience, man. Those are your clients. And, you know what I mean? But the, see, the problem is the, the clients don't know how it works. Right. So but if, if I'm if I'm letting you in on a little secret, right, right. But that's the thing. Like I did a show uh, in New York years ago. And uh, and Chris Rock came in and worked out. He went up before me, mm-hmm. and he was working out, just sitting there working it out. And I went up and did my A material. Right. And I did a lot better than Chris Rock did that night. Mm-hmm. And someone came up to me afterwards and goes, man, you're funnier than Chris Rock. And I was like, you realize he was working stuff out. Right. I was like, I had to tell them, because right. they don't realize that sometimes. It's context. Wow, that's really interesting. It, they, because they don't know. Right. You know, people don't, if you, if you go to a comic club once a year, I mean, it took me a while to realize that the material... Like, I, I was a big fan of Dom Herrera when I was a kid. I th- he w- He's a funny guy. He's a funny guy. Funny guy. And I remember I would take, I would get my friends to go see him, and I right. wanted to hear the old stuff, but then I realized eventually that, wait a minute, a lot of the stuff is the same because that's that's what's called an act. Right. He's taking... I'm, I'm in that now. It right. takes you a year to right. write that shit. Right, 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 right. So, so anyway, so the whole... The thing that what happened was... Dom's one of those... I just want... I, he's one of those guys that you go... Fucking journeyman, a journeyman, a journeyman, a journeyman. Absolutely, and Dom is, and Dom is one of the guys that I sit there and I go, why didn't somebody just? He should have just been casting everything. Like right. it feels like, like there's a handful of these guys. Like I don't know if you know Joe Diaz. Joey Diaz is a Cuban American, but he's East Coast guy. Talks like this. Best storyteller. Amazing mm-hmm. story. Craziest life. Mm-hmm. And he's one of these guys that I go, you would think this guy would get cast in everything. Like, right. From Sopranos to any Italian thing you need, right. to Angry Uncle, right. to this, this, you would just it, you would think, right? But well, I know I know Dom because I did the uh, Murphy's Cat Laugh festivals. They they had a bunch of Second City guys go to, um, they had a bunch of Second City guys go to Ireland, 
and Dom was part of that that festival that yeah. we did in Kilkenny. Yeah. And it was uh, Joel Murray, George Went was there, Rachel Dratch was there, wow. we did all that. Yeah. But but he was one of the first guys that I that I really like hung out with. Yeah. I, I don't know that he was A, but he certainly is B. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And to watch him and to go, you are one warm, funny person. Yeah. Yeah, he's amazing. He's, he's like you're Joe, Joe, Di Joe Diaz. Joe Diaz, yeah. Yeah, Joe Diaz. Yeah, yeah. Where you go, I could sit and talk to you forever. Absolutely, man. and Dom's one of those guys. And, 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 and it's that naturalism that we, that we yeah. get, you know? Well, you know what's great is, because you know how it is, in, this, in, in, in the world of comedy, uh, uh, there's, uh, people are funny on stage, so the audience thinks, oh, that person is such a personable person. Right. But when you hang with a lot of these people, they're, they're fucking nuts. Right. You don't or want to they're quiet. Them. Or they're quiet. Right. You know, and you're like, oh, you know, you're trying to make conversation. Right. So when you find the normal ones that you can talk to, like Dom is one of these guys who, to me, I, you know, he was one of the guys I that inspired me to get into this, and now I'm hanging and talking to him, and he's just a nice guy. Right. It's That's, beautiful. When I think about Dom, I think about being in Ireland with him and just sitting at a bar and talking. I don't even, I, I know that he was up on stage. I thought he was funny, but it was him and uh, a bunch of us just sitting around going, What's happening? It's great, right? It's great, but it goes back to what you were saying earlier about the life that we live. Yeah, yeah, it's just crazy. It's it's where we're we're um we're, we're constant freelancers. We're running into people, so so it's nice to run into people that you get along with. I just hung out with uh, you know Greg Barrent. Yeah, just hung out with him. We did a we did a stand up thing in uh, in in New York, and we just got a chance to hang out a little bit mm -hmm. and hit it off. Turns out we went to the same high school, and it was just it was crazy. It was crazy, and I'm like, and so so. So it's 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 a crazy lifestyle in that sense. But getting back to this whole thing about the material, I was telling right. you. So I'm getting so once in a while, a comedian will come up and go, "Hey, I'm going to be working stuff out. Right. What do you plan on doing? Just so that just so that they know if they should go up and hit hard too. Because if you go hit hard, and then and I, I, this happened to me before, where where and, and to me, uh, like like for example, I'll tell you, Tuesday nights at the Comedy Store mm -hmm. are the nights to just work out. Mm -hmm. So I'll show up sometimes, and there's guys in front of me just like killing. Right. And I'm back there going like, all right. I can either let this affect me and not do my stuff I want to work out, or I gotta I gotta do what I gotta do. So the way you fix that is what you do is you go up on stage, you do two minutes of your stronger stuff at the top, right? So you get them, mm -hmm. and now you go, okay, let me try out my new stuff, right? And then you can mix it in and out. You know okay, what I'm saying? Now, I get it. Who's that for? Is that for the audience? Your attitude, or is that for you? That's for me, right? And I think that the important thing is you could hold on to the ego going, oh, man, I'm going to drown. I'm going to drown. Or you can say, look, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Oh, hell yeah. And I'm going to play it out in front of those people. But you know that there are a lot of, of stand-ups. There are a lot of actors. There are a lot of musicians and artists who say, oh, man, this crowd that I'm with, oh, uh, no. I'm, how can I... How can I how can I even compare to that? And being at Second City was the same sort of thing with the groups that I work with where you go, and I remember, like, with, I've told the story before, when, uh, with uh, Carell yeah. auditioning way back when he was this guy named Steve Carell, and I look at him and go, how do, how do, I, what, how do I work with that? Yeah, Because yeah. even back then, he's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. But you do what you do. Yeah, yeah. You do what you do, and it's about you. It's about, you're, you're, you're on the journey. You're the one who's got to work out your set for... The Tonight Show tomorrow. Right. You're the one who's just come off of a, a special and you need to start working on new material. Right. You can't let this crowd hijack 
your journey. Your, exactly. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Because it's an existential experience. Absolutely. It's a, and I think a lot of people don't see that as an existential experience. Yeah. And what they'll do is they'll be a barnacle on, on like, oh, I got to make these people happy. It's like, you know what? No. They're coming to see you. No. One. Yeah. Or this casting director, he has an attitude. And it's like, you know what? He wants he wants his job to be done. Yeah. Or she wants her job to be done. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And if you go in there with anything other than, this is who I am. Yep. Plain and simple. Yeah, yeah. That's it. This is who I am. And, and, and I'm having fun doing it. That's a really important thing. Yeah. If you're not having fun doing it, why the hell are you doing it? Yeah. Because yeah. you could be doing anything. Yeah. Now, I look at what, you know, I did, uh, of course, if anybody comes here, I'm going to do some research on it. And it's like, you were really close to getting your PhD. Yeah, yeah. No, you I wasn't close. I, I started the PhD. You, I'm program. sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. But you, you were a lot closer than, than yeah, yeah, I most of, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. You know, <laughs> so you got a master's degree, right? Yeah. And then you're going for your PhD at UCLA? Yeah, yeah I didn't get a master's this, this, this is what happened. I got my bachelor at UCLA. Berkeley. Got it. And then I entered what was a PhD program at UCLA. Love it. Okay. Right in. Okay, yeah. fine. You could be doing that now. Yeah. You're not. That's my point. Yeah. You could be doing that now. Yeah. So what you did was you went, ah, oh, that get it. I'm yeah. on a journey. Yeah. And I get to surrender that. Yeah. And I yeah. get to embrace that. Yeah, man. Listen, we live, I've, I've tied this, you know, coming from a, <clears throat> uh, an Iranian background, or I think a lot of immigrant backgrounds, right. like meaning first generation immigrants. It, it, your parents put so much pressure on you right. to be what they want you to be, which is lawyer, doctor, engineer. Right. Something that they feel is secure. And, 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 and because they've come to America from another country. Yeah. They busted their asses escaping a revolution to come here, <laughs> and you want to be a clown? You know, are you out of your mind? You know, they're gonna, well, let me shoot you right now. Right, exactly. You know? so, I could have left you back there. I know. We could have done the Revolutionary Guard could have taken yeah, you. It's like, yeah, oh my yeah, God, right? Yeah. And, then, and then they get upset with America. That this fucking America is putting this, these ideas in these kids' heads. So, so uh, you know, so the, I've had this conversation with a lot of Middle Eastern kids who go, I want to do this, I want to do that. You know, but my parents want me to do something else. And right. I go, listen, I go, you have one life. It's not their life, it's your life. Right. So if you're really passionate about it, get into it. Right. And and sometimes kids think, some people think that they want something, but they haven't even tried it. So I'm like, get into a class. Right. See if you like it. Right. You know, because you get that person who comes up and goes, hey, I want to be an actor, I want to do acting. They don't want to be an actor. They want to be a movie star. Right. And they want to go to premieres and they want to bang chicks. Well, well, for me, I look at it. I, the person that does it, and I, I recognize it right away. Like they're they're, and I, and I use this word a lot. And there's a reason I use this word, ego based. Because the, if you're looking at the product but you're not looking at the journey, mm -hmm. that's ego based. If yeah. you're looking at the journey and saying, hey, you know, I'm for you. You woke up this morning and you're grateful to to be able to drop your kids off and yeah. to, to have an audition, whatever you're doing this afternoon, yeah. like all that stuff. Yeah. You're eating up the journey. Oh, yeah. Those people are going to be disappointed because there's an expectation that's happening. Yeah, yeah. And for me, I feel like, you know, drop it. Drop well, that's, it. That's the guys who you talk to and go, oh, you know, I'm going to win the Academy Award one day. Right. And you go, dude, you're like, you're in this for the wrong reason. Right. Because first of all, you probably won't. Right. But secondly, even if you did, the next day you're going to be so depressed because you're going to be like, that's it? Right. It's just, it's just the statue sits here? I, right. I got laid. Right. But so what? Right, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Right. Oh, and no, it, I, I know it. I listen, know it. It's just like I, I just had, um, I just had uh, a special that came out, and I watched it. The Showtime? The Showtime uh -huh. special. And I, just, and I watched it, and I was, first of all, I was very happy because this was something that I went out and I, I paid for to, to shoot myself. We shot it in Sweden. 
when we first got it back, <laughs> it, it, well, yeah, there's a whole story. He shot it, yeah. sweet. But when it first got it back, it didn't look. It looked a little dark because mm -hmm. the, the film crew had never shot uh, a special, you know. But then they were able to color correct it, right. And all this stuff, and I see it on the TV, and I'm like, wow, this looks great, right? And I remember I was watching it, at about like 10 minutes in, and I stopped like 15 minutes in, but like 10 minutes in, I, I go, oh my god, I. I gotta start coming up with new shit again. Right. I'm like, this is out there. Right. And so, right. so that is nerve wracking at the same time as it's exciting. Right. So that's what you were just saying, the journey. Like then I went on stage, like, like part of me was like, oh my God, what am I gonna talk? I don't know what I'm gonna talk about. And then I'm on stage and I start riffing and I, and I have these notes on my iPhone of like all these ideas. Mm -hmm. So I go, you know what, I'm gonna go try two of these tonight. Right. And it's such a great feeling when you go and you try them and you start getting that laughter. Like I've said this before, I've said like for, a comedian coming up with a new bit that works is is as good as getting a great payday. Like when you right. get a great paycheck, you're like, woohoo. Right. You know, but when you come with a bit, you're like, dude, you know, I can't wait to do that again. That's your raw material, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's your iPhone. That's your car. That's yeah. you know, that's everything that's ever been invented. Yeah. And so uh, and invented or sold or whatever it's going to be. And I'm also looking at when you're going, oh, you know what, every I've got to come up with new material, and then you get up there and you realize, oh, what you realize is this. I'm still me. And I still have the creative process going on. Yeah. And just because I gave that away, you didn't give that away. Whatever you want to do, you shed it, whatever, however you want to yeah. put it. You're still you with your drive and your sensibility and your yeah. humor and your wisdom and all that stuff yeah. that you still have. And life is still happening. Right. So there's still new, I'm not done talking about stuff. No, and, and also you're not held on to like, all right, I'm gonna sit back, I have a Showtime, uh, one, one, one or two, one. I have a Showtime uh, special Yeah. and go, Right? So the fuck what? Now well, I what? Just, I just read this interview uh, with Robert Redford, uh, an Esquire, and he had some line there. He goes, he, he talks about how he's, he's like, always keep going. And he goes, and he goes, when you find success, mm -hmm. go even harder. Because right. he goes, that's when you really got to start going. But it's also the time that you really want to go because you go, I've hit it. I know it. I, and it's not like that you're done. It's the idea of, oh, I know, I know my voice. Yeah. I know how I got here. Yeah. I know what inspires me. Yeah. I know my journey. And I know how to make that work. Yeah. Because right, you look at something and you go, oh, I know how to make that journey. Yeah. Well, that's, well, that's what's beautiful about coming from the writer's side is because if we were, if we were just purely actors, then you, I have friends that are actors who are kind of waiting. Right. And, and, and I tell them, even actors, you know, I go, dude, you can find a project that inspires you, produce it as a one-man show, do it as a, do it as a short, do, find people that, are, that you can work with. Right. Get in that con control position. Right. Because otherwise, uh, you're screwed. Right. You know? And it's also, you're living in lack because you're seeing your future as this thing. And it's mm -hmm. like, it's not that thing. No. It's, it might be, that thing might be part of it. Yeah, yeah. But that's... You got your whole life. Andrew Alexander, who's the owner of Second City, was on the podcast, and he said, "We are teaching people how to, you know, we're teaching people how to be actors, but what we have to also teach people is how to be writers, how to create the material." Yeah. And I think that that when you say writer, a lot of people are going to go, "I don't know how to write." It's like, then don't call it writing. Yeah. Call it something else. Yeah. Yeah. Call it, you know what I'm gonna to do tomorrow? I'm gonna to Glarnars. Yeah. I'm gonna get yeah. I'm gonna Glarnars with a bunch of people yeah. and we're gonna Glarnars to Glarnars. Yeah, yeah. And you go, okay, fine. Yeah. Is it writing? No, because that yeah. word writing, it's like, ah, oh, you're yeah. staying up till midnight and drinking coffee and bourbon yeah. and cigarettes yeah. and the and the and the, the typing machine. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. there's a word for that. Yeah. And there's like a, a garbage can full of <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. It's not that. Yeah, it's funny because it's like I was listening to some interview with uh David Chase, I believe, and he was yeah. talking about he's like, I get up every morning at five AM and 
and write till 10. Right. And I was like, okay, that guy's a writer. Right. And it's what you just said. That's right. that guy. Right. And, I, and, and part of me was like, I should get up at five and start writing. I'm like, fuck that. I'm not getting up at five to write. No. <laughs> you know? I'm, no. I'm, writing, I'm writing 15 minutes a day, a night. Right. If that, maybe like four out of the 15 minutes of my set is new stuff I'm riffing on. Mm -hmm. And eventually after 15 years of doing that, I go, wait a minute. I've, I've had... I've I've been I've had two one hour specials. I've had one special with a bunch of other guys. Right. I've taken the, some of those jokes and turned them into two TV shows that I sold. Right. I've now writing a book. Jesus so man. wait a minute. I'm, sorry, I'm right. writing. Right. It's like right. whoa. Look what happened. Yeah, what happened? <laughs> Look what happened. <laughs> Look what happened. I'm arting no, or whatever. You're clarnarting. <laughs> um, no, but that's exactly it. Look what happened. Yeah. And and for me, also like that's David Chase's way of doing things. Yeah. You yeah. know, David Chase has his way of doing things. My friend Mike McCarthy, he gets up every single day and he works like that's his way of doing it. Yeah. And it might have the, the my tone wasn't like what's he doing. It's more like he does that yeah and you know what if you don't do that you're not lazy yeah you're just not compelled to do that yeah 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 and you got to give yourself a break and yeah. get rid of that fucking word lazy that's got to stop that yeah. has to stop you do what you do you yeah. do what you do yeah and that's what you do yeah listen the key is this i think the key is to find something you're passionate about whether it's whether it's acting or painting or accounting whatever or, it is or or something that no one's come up with yeah yeah okay keep going well Find that right. and just do it. Just right. keep it. Like, like for me, you know, every time I go to the gym, I go for like a few days and then I don't go for a month. And then I, I go it. for a few days and I right. go for a And I look at some of these dudes that are just built. Mm -hmm. This dude is coming in every day and doing it. And right. that's what he does. Right. You know, he lives and breathes that. Right. Okay. And for me, uh, that's stand up. Like, there's like, I have gotten to the point now where. If I'm not on the stage, I don't know what to do with myself a lot of nights. But if you're not on the stage, aren't you still on the stage? You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Are you still well, that's on the, stage? the beauty of what's happened. Is you know, it's funny what we were talking about in stand-up in like the phases of of your life. Mm -hmm. It at first you're looking for jokes and stuff, but eventually you you start living it at all times. And sometimes you're just in a conversation. That's what's beautiful about these podcasts. Like I do a podcast with Al Madrigal right. where we talk about being dads, and half the time. It's, uh, oh my God, that's a bit I should work out. That's a bit I'm working out right, right now as we're right, speaking, you know? Right, right. It's absolutely, it's, it's right. a living organism. He's really funny. Al's great. Al's and he's doing guy. really well, yeah, man. Yeah, he's yeah. really doing well. He's yeah. in New York? Yeah, he's in New York. He's in New York, show. Daily yeah, Show, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, uh, but, but what you're talking about here is, uh, it's what my friend Alexandra Billings, what she says is, put, at one point you're going to, if you let yourself do this and don't fight it, your art becomes your life and your life becomes your art. Absolutely. And there's no being on stage and no being off stage. Yeah. And that's not to say that while you're off stage, you're on. No. It's just like while you're off stage, you're still creating. Yeah. Um, I was listening to something where somebody said, it was just something that, that I heard, where they were talking about a book. And he said, this book is percolating. And then it popped in his mind. It's like, okay, I'm ready to write the book. Yeah. And that's what you probably did with your book, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I that's, know. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, look, all this stuff, it's like, uh, I'll give you an example, like this TV show that I just, that we that we sold to CBS, it didn't go to pilot, but uh -huh. we sold it to CBS. Uh -huh. And when we're getting ready to go out with the show, mm -hmm. um, I was thinking, what's my, sh what am I, because I've gone out the past few years to try and pitch a show. And I'm always coming up with something based on my life. Right. So this time around, I was like, what's my show, what's my show? Because the last show I, uh, that I saw, I saw another show to CBS four years ago, mm -hmm. again, didn't go past the, the script, but, mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I was like, what's the show now? And I realized, wait a minute, I've been doing the show, which is my material about, uh, like, like I do a bit about my son going to this basketball class, mm -hmm. 
We took them to basketball class, and the teacher teachers ended up being Russian, mm -hmm. and they're really hardcore and serious. Right. And we've gotten to know them now; they're great. But the first time we went, it was intimidating because <laughs> they were there, and, and my kid's three and a half, and they and they play. My kid's horrible; he's like tackling people. He doesn't know he's three and a half. He doesn't know what basketball is. And after the class, they they huddle up, and my son comes crying. I go, "What happened?" And he goes, "I didn't get a sticker." And I was like, "What?" Apparently, the Russian coach gives stickers to the best players only. So th this became a whole bit about like the Russians and how they're training these kids for the Olympics. And, right. I'm and you know, I, and then I build it out and I go, you know, I go to the coach. I'm like, can he get a sticker? You know, he's like, yeah. Next time he play better, he gets sticker. And I, I'm like, he's three and a half. He goes, when I was three and a half, I was in prison in Siberia. You know, so it's that whole thing, right? Right, right. right so I go, right. I go. Wait a minute. This is I've been doing this joke now. I got that. I got the Guatemalan nanny. I got so, I got all these stories that I've been doing on stage. Right. I go. That's the pitch. So. I got with the writer, we got together, Fief Sutton, and he's a great guy, and we started talking. Why, we did, liked you, why did you get a writer? Why did you get why did um, you, you need to have a writer, like, I've learned, because this is what happened. The first year I sold a show, I went in with Spike Ferriston. He found me. If, I don't know if you know Spike. Spike, I know. Spike was a writer on Seinfeld. Mm -hmm. then, he, then he ran Michael Richards' show. He was a showrunner on uh -huh, that. Uh -huh. Then he had his own show, talk show with Spike Ferriston. So Spike had been driving through Beverly Hills, saw all the Persian palaces, you know, the houses with Roman columns on the front. <laughs> That's oh what the Persians like to do, right. I guess. So, um, and he was like, God, I, I got this idea for a Persian living in Beverly Hills, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. So he found me eventually. We sat down, we came up with a story, and we went into pitch. And it was great going in with Spike, because Spike had his talk show. He was a writer who had also been a showrunner. Right. And so whenever we'd go in, people would perk up. Oh, hey, what's up, guys? Right. You know, now I'm a comedian, but I had never written a sitcom. Right. So right. it was good that, you know, and we sold that show the first he's got He's got the dialogue. He's got the drive. He knows where, he knows He knows the routes. And he's coming in with, and he's coming in with a resume of being a writer. Right. You know what I'm saying? If you come in as like, hey, I'm a comedian, mm -hmm. great. Right. What have, have you written a sitcom before? Right. No. Right. Are you, uh, are you Jerry Seinfeld? No. Right. Okay, well then, come back with a writer. Because in their mind, in their mind, I think they go, this this guy is not a proven writer. I don't know. Maybe he can come up with one episode, but then what? Right. You know. So that so, totally makes sense. It does make sense, right? So the past few years, I was going in like either without writers or with or like I went in with a couple writers that I knew at like towards the end of the process. So I realized, you know what? I got to get. And nowadays it's competitive, as you know. I mean, like more than ever. Right. So like if you watch like Boardwalk Empire, you right. look at it and all the people involved with it. You got Scorsese and this guy and that guy, and then it right. keeps going, and then it's like Mark Wahlberg's production company. Right. And you're like, so Scorsese had to go to Mark Wahlberg's production. Yeah, like they, they, you know, you know, who else are they going to bring on board? You know, right? So, right, right. so I was like, you know what, I got to get some heat behind this. Right. So, so the way uh, my agent worked it, and this is what I wanted it done, was hook me up with a writer who had been a showrunner. He'd written. I, I, he, I was on a pilot he'd done before. So we started talking. We figured it out. Mm -hmm. Then we went to. A production company, uh, Eric Tenenbaum, who's got a couple of shows. Oh, name uh, uh -huh. he, if you see his name on like some of the CBS shows, uh -huh. he's 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 a heavy guy. With he's so now we got us three going in. He's mm -hmm. got the relationship already with CBS Studios. Right, you go in. It's great when you go in. And they go, hey, what's up? By the way, that other project that it, and you go, okay, cool. This guy's doing stuff. Oh boy, that really just just that the, the whole creative process and to be in the shit, like to, oh, yeah. to be in there oh, yeah. and to go, this is where you're supposed to be, yeah. and whether 
of course you want it to work out, yeah. but whether it does work out or not, yeah. you're there. Yeah. And when you're there, you got to look around and go, I am here. I mean, you know what it's like, you know, having done uh, the the Tonight Show and, uh, uh, and and all the other shows where you go, I'm here, I'm doing yeah. it, man, I'm yeah. doing it. And you can go, you, you get up there and say, I hope I don't fuck up, or you can go, look where the fuck I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. crazy. It is, it's a beautiful place. And again, it goes to the process, because here's the right. thing, if you're, it's been nice that I've had two shows that didn't go to pilot because mm -hmm. even this one, as we were writing it, the feedback we were getting was, um, you know, the, the writer would talk to the to the network or whatever and get the notes. So he came back and said they really they really like it a lot. Mm -hmm. And and this is like towards the finish line where they're gonna making they're making decisions. Mm -hmm. And I go, well, that's great. Right. And I'm thinking to myself, I'll wait till they really pick it up a lot right. to celebrate right. because. I know how this stuff goes because as I'm as I as I'm as we're going through the process of getting closer and closer, I'm reading the trades. You know, now with Deadline.com, it's there all the time. Right. So I'm reading it, and it says first it says Chuck Lorre has sold another show to CBS. I uh -huh. go, well, okay, there goes one spot. Right. Because CBS has very few spots anyway. I go, well, there goes one spot. Right. Then it goes uh, Eddie Murphy is doing a reboot of Beverly Hills Cop. <laughs> I go, okay, so I'm up against Eddie Murphy and Chuck Lorre. There goes two spots. Then it goes, Robin Williams is doing a sitcom. I go, well, that goes three spots. And I'm like, I'm like, what am I supposed to do here, right? right. So, so, so well, like I said, it didn't even go to pilot. Right. So, and, but the beauty of it is, first of all, the beauty of it now is that there's so many places to, to end up. You know what I'm saying? You could right. end up on, you know, Amazon is doing original programming. Right, right. Know? It's not your ABC, CBS, NBC, not anymore. Fox. Yeah, it's no longer that. No, and, and it's also stuff that we don't, we have no idea what it's going to be. Amazon? Exactly. What? Yeah, yeah. Netflix? Yeah. Really? Netflix, yeah. House right. of Cards. It's like, right. what the hell? So, right. but, but the, but so, so, um, you know, the, the good, now, the good thing is, and you know, being in this world, if you can get people that are on your side and that really, are passionate, or at least you feel that they're passionate, right. that are on your team, then you are a lucky mofo. Because right. that's not, that's they're passionate when they pitch you. When, when you go to meet an agency, they get everyone in there and like, we want to be in the Dave Dave business. We want to be the, your business. We want to be Ma's business. You know what I'm right. saying? Right, but until, right. Until like you sign and then two weeks later, you're like, hey, what happened to the Ma's business? They're like, oh, we're busy getting into- We got the Carl business. The Carl business. You know, so, so <laughs> so, so when you find people that 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 continue to be passionate, then you're lucky. So right. the guy that I'm that I was with originally, who's my agent and now my manager, mm -hmm. this guy Ray Mohit, um, he's always been like sometimes like too passionate. Like he'll call me up and be like, "Bro, you know, I'm pitching you to to play Batman," and I'm like, "No, no, 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 no." He's like, "No, you can do Batman." I'm like, "Are you crazy?" He's like, "You can." So, so he's that passionate, right? Which I love. I'm like, I love this guy, right? Right. Well, as long as he he isn't crazy, like like, dude, I'm pitching him for the Queen of England, mm. where you go, ah, oh, you're going crazy. No, 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 he's not. But no, the no. idea of I I I believe in you, yeah, and the energy of somebody believing in you, wherever the hell that's going to be, yeah. Yeah. makes you go, okay, yeah, okay. Well, it's okay. good to have. Look, you need to have people that you go, I trust this guy, right. Because. This guy's gonna do what he what what I need done. But it's also I trust this guy because this guy has done what he needed to do. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And that's a major thing because yeah. you don't know what he's going to do. Yeah, you do know what he has done. Yes, yes. And I think that that and that's the idea. Boy, this is a great example of this um, of replacing ambition. Yeah. 
and I'm pointing that way yeah. with gratefulness, and I'm yeah. pointing here. Yeah. So the idea of, yeah, he could get me there, that's yeah. my ambition, yeah. but the gratefulness is he got me here, and Absolutely. I am here. Absolutely, yeah, and it's a beautiful thing. So I've got him on my team. Right. For the past, We started together, so it's been like 15 years. Like He was an agent until he wanted to be a manager, and right. there's a management company that wanted me, and we both went in together. Right. So that's been a beautiful transition. And then the agent who I'm with now at Literary, uh, uh, agent. He's the guy who originally I met him through Spike because he was Spike's agent. Uh-huh. Then I ended up going to his agency mm-hmm. and then he sold my other. So he sold my show twice now. And what's beautiful about this guy is what I was just saying mm-hmm. um, is this Mike Rosenfeld, this guy, give him props, is we were just on the phone and he was telling me about, you know, he's like, listen, man, I believe in this script. And he goes, even though CBS didn't get it made, mm-hmm. I'm looking for the right executive at the right place. And he was saying exactly what we just said. He goes, there's Amazon, there's Netflix, there's right. this, there's that. He goes, I want to find a place. He goes, because we were saying, should we come up with a new idea to go out with this year? And he goes, mm-hmm. guys, I feel like we have a strong script. Mm-hmm. I feel it's time. You know, the show is based on my life. Right. Um, and I'm in real life, I'm married to an Indian woman and we have two kids. Okay. Right. Um, the way we pitched the show was... I'm married to a white woman because we felt, I felt, that the networks, there was no way the networks would put two brownish people on at the same time. You know what I'm saying? So you need a white, you know, something right. white there somewhere. Right. Unless those two brownish people were both uh, uh, African-American people. Exactly. Right. Yes, yes, right. yes. They were solid yeah. brown. Yeah, yeah, solid brown. Right. So, so uh, and, and who knows? I mean, you know, if the show were to go to Amazon or something like that, maybe they would say, hey, let's do an Indian wife. Right. You know, who knows? Mm-hmm. But, um. But uh, but but basically it was like it was it was we, we were pitching it as like everybody loves Raymond meets Modern Family right because the modern because my you know I'm Iranian my wife in real life is Indian but in the show would be white you know I had my Guatemalan nanny I had right. the Russian basketball coach I had all these people that surround my life and I'm just trying to live my life normally you, you know? know you know you said this earlier and and and, and uh, it it, uh, it hooked me in a way and what it hooked me was. We're talking about immigrants. Yeah, that's what we keep talking about. Yeah, is immigrants. Yeah, we talk about your 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 being the first generation here. You're yeah. talking about the Russian living here. You're talking yeah. about your nanny living here. Yeah, all these people, your wife living here. Yeah, not not necessarily immigrants, but right. minorities or first generation. Yeah. From that, and all of that makes you look at stuff so differently. Absolutely. Because again, you take nothing for granted because your folks are always reminding you of something else. Yeah. And what's beautiful is, as a stand up, I feel like, I sometimes say, I feel like I'm a sociologist. Like I'm on stage talking, right. and I look out and I can see. I'm doing a joke about my grandmother, but there's these two Mexican girls dying of laughter, right? Because they have the same grandmother, right? You know, and there's a and, and I'm after the show. There's uh, you know uh, uh, an Albanian coming up and going like, I'm a big fan. I'm like, where are you from, Albania? I'm like, Albania? Like what? Right. So right. it's it's amazing how we relate so much, and and so that's what like I feel like, as you know, like the networks and and, and the sort are always kind of be behind the curve on this stuff. Right. You're out li- it's like you're out in right. the streets living this stuff. Right. And they're going like, nah, I don't know if it's gonna test well. And you're right. like, dude, I'm testing it every night. This shit's working. You just gotta find a way to get to these people and let them know the show's happening, get them excited about it, right. get them on board, and you're done. And, and also most importantly, just because it's an Iranian or a Mexican or a whatever, or it's not going to be good. So you got to make sure it's good as well, obviously. Oh, yeah, clearly, yeah. clearly. Because yeah. it's not just about, it's not about the window dressing. Yeah. It's about what's behind, what's in the store. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that there, there are certain people where, okay, so so Louis C.K., keep pointing to the Rolling Stone. Louis C.K., you look at Louis C.K., at some point some guy went, well, now wait a minute. We tried all those other ideas. I saw this guy. Yeah, yeah. And someone went, well, I don't know. And someone went, shut up, Bob. Yeah. 
Yeah. Susan, listen, I saw this guy. Yeah, yeah, right. Because yeah. because this guy likes talking to Susan because Bob's a fucking douchebag. Absolutely. And I don't know why the fuck he's there. Yeah. But yeah. you want to talk to that person, and then that's your team. Boom, yeah. Boom. 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 Absolutely. Boom. And somebody gives Louis C.K. this thing. Yeah. This job, an opportunity, yeah. and then he goes, "Okay, wait a minute." And now Louis C.K. is changing everything. Yeah. So you get to go to Sweden. Yeah. You get to go to Sweden yeah. to do your own show. Yeah. Because Louis C.K. went, I'm doing things my way. Yeah. Or yeah. inspired yeah. you to do that. Yeah, well, that, no, that's the beauty of it. It's like, I mean, I, I mean I'll mean, i be honest. Like, for me, I think I learned early on, um, even before this whole Louis thing, I learned early on. Because what happened was, we Mitzi Shore, owner mm-hmm. of the comedy store, right. put me, uh, she, she was watching the, the she watched, watched a lot, watches a lot of these. I guess she's older now, but. You know, this is te- this is two thousand. She, she she's ill. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. But in two thousand, she was still kind of functional, and 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 uh, and she was watching the news, and there was the latest uprising of the Palestinians with the Israelis. Right. And she said she's Jewish. She goes, I feel like there's going to be a need for a positive voice of Middle Easterners in the world. This is before September eleventh. She goes, I want to put together a Middle Eastern night. Right. So she put, got me Ahmed Ahmed, Egyptian American, right. Aaron Cater. Uh, Palestinian, mm-hmm. and a bunch of, anyone who was brown that wasn't Mexican or black was on our show. Right. And she called it the Arabian Nights. And we Look started doing it. It's all about packaging, dude. Yeah. And we started doing <laughs> it, and then it started to, we started to find an audience, you know. And what was weird, though, was as I did that, and I was, and I was doing, like, I, was, I did a movie, Friday After Next, I was doing right. TV stuff, I was right. starting to get credit, and I was like, okay, how do I now start working the road? And I would reach out to a couple of clubs but their response a lot of times was, well, I don't know if you're a draw, we don't know, and that's right. just normal, right? Get it. But it felt like no one was ready to hand us anything. And we went to this-, this Not is, hand you anything. Not hand us open anything. Open something. Anything, right. Because right? nobody's handing you anything. Right, no one was willing to open the door for us. Right. And this was, this is what, the, 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 this is exactly what happened. So we went to, so um, Ahmed Ahmed happened to be in DC for some, uh, some, some event, and he stopped by the DC Improv, Mitch Hedberg was working there. Uh-huh. I guess Hedberg's half Syrian or something, or was half Syrian, right? Uh, or some he has some Middle know. Eastern or something. Um, yeah, Ahmed shows up. Every time I hear it, it just breaks my heart. I know, I know, you know? Anyway, I know, I know. So, so Ahmed shows up, asks us if we could do a guest spot. Hedberg says sure. Ahmed does five minutes. The manager sees Ahmed set, goes, "Hey, that was funny." Ahmed goes, "Listen, we got the show back in L.A. Can we do it on a on an off night?" Manager says, "Sure, in come DC. by in DC." Manager says, "Come to the DC Improv." Now, DC is has a big Middle Eastern population, of course, right? And the guy manager says, "Yeah, come come do like a Monday night or." They something. also have a really a really happening scene over there. Oh yeah, yeah. It's but DC is a great place to do stand up in general. Uh, I think Eddie Murphy f- uh, uh, filmed uh, Delirious there, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> I mean, it's a great com- it's a great comedy town. It's a comedy town. It's a theater town. It's yeah. an improv town. Yeah, it's a museum town. It's a food town. Because the brain, they're all they're all in it. Like right. I always, whenever I'm there, I always joke. I go, whenever I come to DC and I'm hanging out, I meet people. I go, what do you do? They go, oh, I'm with State. Oh, I'm with the agency. <laughs> right, right, and I go, right. when I'm in LA, I go, what do you do? Go, I'm getting, I'm going to do some research. I'm going to play a character. I'm going to audition for a character who's in the State Department. Oh, you guys are really doing it. What are they <laughs> pretending? So, right, right. But, but, um, but you're there. and you're. And, and so we're there, thing. and we're doing the DC show, and we come out, and we sell it out like on a Monday night. Uh-huh. right? Then they go, oh, that was great, guys. Come back and do Monday, Tuesday. Come right. back Monday, Tuesday, like six months later, sell it out. Right. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, sell it out. Right. And at some point, we go, guys, 
we're obviously killing it here with you guys. Right. So why don't you just give us a weekend and let us kind of do it the way we're supposed to do it? And they go, no, you guys, we're not really sure if you guys are headliners yet, blah, blah, blah. So we go, you know what? Screw it. Step aside. We did what you just said. They weren't opening the door. We went around the other way. We, at the time, at I the, was... At the improv or a different place? No, no. What I did was uh-huh. I, I was doing a TV show. Right. Uh, I was on this TV show called Life on a Stick that was mm-hmm. a Fox show. And so I made a little bit of money. So I told the guys, I told Aaron and Ahmed, I go, listen, guys, let's just do our own thing. We've been talking about changing the name from Arabian Nights to Axis of Evil anyway. Right. Let's change it to the Axis of Evil comedy tour. Let's rent a theater. I can pay to rent the theater. Let's just do our own thing. So we rent a 1,400-seat theater, and we go for think it. Think big. Think big. Think big, because we're like, we could do this. <laughs> and and this, was, um, this was November 11th of uh, 2005, and I know this because... Uh, my bachelor party was the next day in Vegas, mm-hmm. so I went on Friday, and, and it was, and I remember it was, it was uh, um, Veterans Day. Mm-hmm. So November 11th, we get the Lisner Auditorium. Right, 11, 11. Yeah, so November, right. I get the. So Middle Easterners are notorious for buying tickets late, uh-huh. right? But we reach out to every student organization. There's so many colleges there. Everyone, the support starts coming in. Monday, uh, the show's on Friday. That Monday, we've put everything into the show. We have 700 tickets sold out of 1,400, and we're a little nervous. We're like, oh God, we got to start pushing. From Monday to Friday, things sells out. There's people out the door waiting. What did waiting. you do to push? We just, I mean, I think it was just, they, they, the community was just waiting. Got it. They just wait. Got it. That's you know, what I would say, are. I go, what are you waiting for? Like an right. invite to a wedding on a right. Friday? Was, like, what are they like? You never know. Might, something better might come up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. But yeah. it was amazing. It just, it just blew, like the last week, it just like went from 740. And, then, and, and one of the managers from the improv actually had come and saw this. And he's like, holy shit. Right. So that sold out. We felt so good backstage. Did you ever doubt it? I never doubted it. You never doubted it. I never it. doubted it. Look at that. I never doubted it. See, when you when you look at shit and go, that's gonna happen. Yeah. How many people gonna talk themselves out of it? Yeah. No, no. I and and I'll tell you what, the beauty of it is, it's almost it's almost like these you know these religious uh, guys who go, the world's coming to an end, sell right. everything. Yeah. And then they sell everything and they go to like whatever uh, Timbuktu and it doesn't <laughs> come to an end. Right. But they're so. Uh, uh, um, um, uh, um, uh, what you would call it? They're 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 so uh, adamant and so passionate about this thing that they go, ah, that was God testing us. It's gonna end five more years from now. Let's just try it again. Right, right. right. So I feel like that with my life and right. in my career and all this stuff. Like even if we were, to, even if we'd shown up and seven hundred people were to show up, right, I would have just turned that around in my own head and said, hey, seven hundred people showed up. And we had no promoters, right. and we had no nothing, right. and we did it ourselves, and we broke even, or we lost a few, you know, a couple thousand dollars. So what? So the we'll fuck come what? back and do it again. Oh my God! Like uh, you know, Jill Soloway. No. Okay, Jill Soloway. She's a writer. She's she's a, a pro- executive producer. She was a writer on. Uh, 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 six feet under. Oh, okay. Uh, she's done. Uh, she she sat in there in, in the chair and she goes, "I make plans and I never cancel ever. You make plan, you fill you fill it. If no one shows up, you do it. Yeah. Whatever it is, it's going to happen because the experience is what it's about. Yeah. And you can look at it and go, ah, oh, no one showed up. And you can always make it about something. You can always look at something and go, that didn't work out the way I thought it was going to work out. Yeah. It's like, okay, is that a bad thing or a good thing? No, no. You got it's a good. Th- I mean, it's a it's embracing. It's embracing, uh, um, look, you know, it's, look, the world we live in, when you got to put on a show, the show must go on, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I mean, the, the only times I've ever canceled, uh, one time my father actually was passing away, and uh-huh. I actually was about to get on a plane. I, I left, I was leaving the hospital. I was leaving the hospital to get on a plane to go to 
Jersey to do a show at a university uh -huh. because this girl had been so in touch with me going, oh my God, everything's set, everything's set. And I was like, I can't let these. What kind of show, big show, small show? It was a big show at Rutgers University. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And I was supposed to go to Rutgers University I, like that morning at like on a, I think it was like a Wednesday or a Thursday. And, I, and then I was gonna fly from there to Houston and do a whole weekend in Houston. Uh -huh. And I was like, I was like, and, and, this is, and I'm in my father's, in the hospital room and my dad's on his deathbed. And I'm like, guys, I'm, I'm, there's my sister, there's my aunt, and we don't know how long he's gonna he's gonna take. Like he's basically, like they've taken him off of everything, but, they, but you know the body lasts a little bit. Right. Like my grandfather, when my grandfather passed away, he was in our house for like a week and a half, like dying, dying. Right. And that was like it was just intense. So with my dad, I'm like, okay, go ahead. With my dad, I'm sitting there going, this could take a week. This could take. I don't know how long this is gonna take. And more importantly, I've told these kids that I'm coming. So I'm getting ready to leave and I start walking, I walk out of the room, I'm going to go to the garage and my wife, you know, I always thank her for this. I go, she, she's like, hey, you know, she's like. So this is recently. This was 2009. So you've married for four years. Yeah, uh, I've been married now since 2005. Right, yeah. 11, 12. Yeah. Bachelor party. Yeah, bachelor party, 11, exactly, okay, good. yeah. So my, uh, my wife was like, hey, listen, you know, you, you should, you should, she said, come on, you should, you should definitely stay. And I was like, you know what, I think you're right. And, I, and I've always thanked her for that because I stayed and he passed away that morning at like 7 a.m. Were you That's, there when, did you, did you watch him pass away? I was there, yeah, I was right there with him. And, but, but, and I'm so happy I was. Because, and that's the only time that I almost that I can, that I almost canceled the show last minute. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I get it. You know, but it's not. But you weren't canceling it because you weren't. You were afraid that no one was going to show no, up. No, no, no. Or you weren't canceling it because you didn't. You didn't think that your material was good enough. Listen. You canceled it because you needed. That was a life. That's a life altering you experience that you're going to be. Yeah. And it, and 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 the interesting thing is, it's it's your dad. That's that's number one. Number two is you got to witness a spirit passing into the other yeah, place. Yeah, yeah. And 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 to watch that, that spirit is the spirit that brings you. That spirit that he surrendered yeah. is the same spirit that brings you to the DC Improv. It's the absolutely. same spirit that brings you to all those yeah, places. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, absolutely. And he's and he's definitely uh, a big inspiration in my life. Right. And 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 that's a moment you have to be. You know. You, there's certain times, whether it's weddings or funerals or things like that, where you go, I got to drop everything. I got to go be a part of this. Right. I got to be a part of this. I got to be a part right. of this. Yeah. You know. And uh, and that was very important to me. And and but but what you just said about the not doing a show because there's not enough people, whatever. Right. The, one of the best things that happened to me in this career was um, comedy store. Mm -hmm. uh, when I became a regular, uh, probably '99, some some point. Mitzi's just, I always, I, I thank her because they say she's a genius in her way. She either puts you up early or late so that you learn, you know. And she would put me up at like 12 o'clock and then Eddie Griffin or Andrew Dice Clay, somebody would come in and bump me and now it's 1.30 and now there's three people in the audience. They're mm -hmm. drunk, they're not even listening to me. Mm -hmm. And it, I had so many of those nights that now when a night shows up where it's like, you know, some comedians are like, oh man, there's only 20 people, whatever, I'm like, Let's do it. Like, right. what are we? What are we? What are we afraid? Let's get in there. With, let's call a spade a spade. Let's right. try it. Right. And sometimes, listen, nine times out of ten, that goes off fantastically. Right. One time out of ten, I'm up there melting. Like this just happened recently. I was I, I was uh, I was performing at some event in Dubai, and this was some big art event, and there was like, these big artists that were like people were bidding like twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand, like a lot of money. There's big money at this event. And this, these organizers put together this amazing show. And so 
as a comedian, you go, listen, don't have the people there five hours and then put me up. They're exhausted. <laughs> know, okay? right? Especially when the next day is a work day. Right. Let's not do this. No, no. And I went there and they told me the whole lineup and I didn't realize how long it was going to be, but I'll be honest, I was sitting there, I was enjoying it. Like they had this dance crew come out at the beginning. This dude was amazing. There was a pole. This dude, I'll show you the pictures later, but this dude would like go on the pole with his arms and he would hang himself sideways, like, like Cirque du Soleil shit. Yeah, uh -huh, exactly, right. like perpendicular. perpendicular. Right. Yeah, he's just hanging uh -huh. there and he's doing stuff and then they come on and do a Michael Jackson thing. Uh -huh. and there's a runway. Mm -hmm. and I'm like, damn, these guys are good. Right. We hit that, right? Right. Then there's like, uh, then they, they, were, they, were, they were raising money to help. Um, I, it was, it was to, to, to pay for uh, kids that are sick and all this stuff in different countries that like art they're gonna help these kids be mm -hmm. able to have an education in art. So right. like, you know, one of the kids' moms comes up and she's like, you know, you know, when I forget what happened to the kid, but like, when he lost an arm, I thought he could never paint, but you guys helped. And I'm just like, oh my God, this is emotional. I'm like, this is, I'm like, you want me to do comedy after this? You know, you have your fucking mind, you know? So that goes on, right? <laughs> then they go, then they have this guy who I became friends with, this auctioneer. I've done, a, I've done a million of these things. And usually the auctioneer is like this guy from Christie's or something. And right. he's like, you know, he might have very one. Very dry. Yeah, very dry. Might have one joke in the middle. Right. This dude was awesome. This guy is this guy, um, uh, Johnny Gold. He's out of. Johnny Gold, his name Johnny, is. Johnny, his real name, his name is, is Johnny, Johnny Gold. Gold. A British guy. And gold this, or Gould? Gould, but he goes Gould. Gould. Johnny Gould. Gould. Yeah. Right. And this guy is this British guy who is so good. Like he, 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 he's a British guy. He's a British guy. Right. And he gets the information about who the top bidders are and stuff. Mm -hmm. And he gets up there and he does a whole thing about, he's like, you know. He personalizes he'll be like, it. Yeah, and he'll be like, Come on, he goes over there. You know, can we get you know twenty five thousand? And he's like, he's like the older gentleman right there has said twenty five thousand. And then he'll look at the younger guy who's bidding against him and go, what do you? You know, he's like, he just put it in your face. He's an older man. You know, da 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 da. You're a pussy. You know, he's like, and your wife is there looking at you. Are you a man or a pussy? And then the guy will raise his hand. Then he'll go to the older guy. He's like, sir, this man is being very disrespectful. And it's amazing. <laughs> and it's funny and it's beautiful and it's great. And they had 13 pieces, which is a long auction. Right. So now the auction's going along. Right. And now in my head, though, the oh, whole time boy, I'm oh, sitting boy. there going like, you know what? Comedy Store Midnight. Comedy Store, no problem. Comedy Store Midnight. Comedy Store 1 in the morning. I got it. I got it. I got it. Then they go, okay, dessert time. Dessert time. Oh, you do want to be on the dessert. Listen. Oh, my God. It started, it started at 7 when people came in for cocktails. Right. People sat down at 8. Right. Does it, now we're approaching midnight. This is four hours of sitting. Um, and and they weren't allowed to bring alcohol into the right. into the room, so they're sobered up by now. And they for the dessert is not just dessert. The chef of this the, the, uh, the Emirates hotels, like the main chef of the whole place, he's a German guy. He's going to come out with his crew. They're going to create dessert in front of you. So there's like a crew of thirty people. <laughs> he's calling orders in German. Come on now, let's go. Let's keep it going, everybody. Keep it moving. You know, don't be dis don't disappoint me. He's a nice guy, but he was German, which right, always right. It's part of his routine too. It's great. It's amazing. It's part yeah. of his routine. Yeah. And I'm sitting there watching this, and they're creating this amazing dessert, and I'm like, and I'm kind of in this. So half of me is like, what a great You're experience. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Part yeah. of me is like, what a great. Experience. Part of me is like, holy shit. Like I can't follow all this. And after all of this, I'm sitting there eating my dessert. And the DJ goes, okay, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Maja Brani. I'm like, what? I'm like, what kind of fucking intro is that? And I go up, man, and the whole time I'm sitting there going, I'm sitting there going, midnight comments, midnight comments. I go up and I start trying to riff a little bit. And the one thing that happened was, so they said that they had some royalty there, some, someone from Kuwait that was royalty. Now, earlier that night I'd met this lady 
who was introduced to me by a couple of Persian ladies who like like are kind of like my mom's age and this uh -huh, uh -huh. and this other lady is kind of my mom's age and so they were very respectful and they're like this is this is so and so I didn't even hear what they said so I'm like hey nice to meet you and then I and then so then so then I go to uh, so I start doing my my set and I'm like just kind of riffing a little bit and I go oh and, and I heard there's royalty here I was like where's the royalty and uh, and I'm thinking of some dude, right? But they point at the lady that I'd met earlier, like you idiot. We've already introduced. Like everybody knows her highness, and I didn't know her highness. I didn't know that was the highness. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I was like, and suddenly I start sweating. And from there, it's like 30 minutes of me just 30 minutes. 30 minutes of just like oh. stick and move, stick and move, trying. I pick on. I talk to. I, I do some jokes. You know, I'm an Indian wife, so I do jokes about Indians, right? Right. So there's an Indian dude. I start talking to the Indian dude. Sir, what's your name? Blah, 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 blah. And he's kind of dressed very sharp, older man, oh, kind of no. uh, grayish hair. Da, da, da. What's your name? Da, 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 da. Later on, I come to find out because Johnny was also with this other. Johnny Gould. Johnny Gould <laughs> was hanging out with this, um, with this uh, um, uh, uh, artist, uh, Sasha. Um, uh, I forget his last name right now. It's just slipping my mind. But he's this amazing artist who's like, you know, Beckham's buying his stuff. All that. And this guy's a half Persian, half Indian, really, I hit it off with Johnny Gold and Sasha. I uh -huh. hit it off with these guys. Uh -huh. So Sasha tells me afterwards, he goes, you know the Indian guy you were talking to? I go, yeah, he's like, he's like, he's one of the biggest Bollywood stars in the world. And so that was part of it, was this guy was like, you know, how dare you not know me, you know? And I'm like, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, he didn't say that, he right. actually was very nice. Oh, I get it, I get it, But I, I think it, the I people it. around were like, What's, what, kind of, what, what kind of research is this See, guy See, that's doing? when you come in, when you get dropped into that thing, oh, it's my like, God. you don't, but you don't know. But that's the one out of 10, so when I finished, right. 30 minutes in, I go, okay, that's done, I just need a drink. Right. I go, I just need a drink, I'm right. done. Right. And, then, and then it was funny, because I was doing Monday morning quarterbacking the next day, and I go, I go you know what I should have done? And, and, I, and, I, and I, maybe part of it was because I was tired, I was jet lagged, I was like, you know what I should have done? I should have gone on stage, I should have, I should have made fun of the situation right off the bat with the DJ. I should right. have been like, really DJ? Five hours in and you're just saying Maz Jobrani? I'm like, what kind of, you give me some music, let's do this, you know, let's try that again, ladies and gentlemen, come on. Da -da -da. Oh, I love yeah. that. And I could have riffed with him for a little bit, had right. him be the foil for a while, and then come into it. And even then, I don't know if they would have, they might have been too tired. But at still. that moment, at that moment, we go back to what it was you were talking about earlier. We go back to the idea of the audience is on your side. Yeah. They know who you are. Yeah. They know your situation. Yeah. They have expectations that they didn't have prior to that. Yeah. And they have a little insider information. Yeah. And, yeah. and all of that unifies you all because yeah. the last thing you want to do is be the pee in the bed. I yeah. don't mean urine. I mean that pee underneath the bed and yeah. go, why does this not feel comfortable? No, no. You want to listen, is it again, this is this has all been beautiful in 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 the learning process because you realize the more you call it like it is. Right. Honest. Honest, the more they're with you. I've done that so many times and it's done so well. My friend Omid Jalili, who's an Iranian uh, British guy, mm -hmm. he was saying he went and saw Seinfeld at the O2 Center in, mm -hmm. in London. And he said it was amazing because he goes, Seinfeld's first like five minutes was all about the traffic getting into the O2 Center. Right. And he goes, 15,000 people have just experienced this with him. Right. And now he's going through what they've just experienced. So they're loving him. At this point, he's got him right there. Let's go. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I've, and, and like I said, there's been nights where I've been in that flow and it's such a good feeling. I did a show downtown and it was like after a bunch of comics, you, know, you go up and you go, you know, Half of you guys don't know who I am. These people came here <laughs> expecting Eddie Murphy. You know, you know, fifteen. You know, it's just—it's right. a great. I, I did uh, the, the same run in the Middle East, 
I did Oman, which, by the way, is a beautiful country. Uh -huh. If you ever end up in the Middle East, make sure to give yourself like a few days to go check out Oman. It's uh -huh. just relaxing. It's just right. beautiful. So I did the show. And in the Middle East, a lot of times they say no sex, no religion, no politics. Right. That's kind of the general thing. There's ways to get around it. Right. Uh, stay away from religion in general. Politics, don't talk about local politics. And right. sex, you can make some innuendos and stuff. So we're there in Oman. And... Um, and there's this, uh, they go, the, the promoter, I go, I go, you, gotta, you know, we've been talking about getting opening acts. And the promoter's this uh, uh, Scottish guy, and he's like, I've, I've worked with him before, and he's like, he's like, I couldn't find anybody. And I go, all right, that's fine, I'll just do the whole thing. And he's like, let me put the word out. So the day of, he puts the word out, he gets four guys. He goes, I found these guys that have been doing comedy locally. I get these four guys. So these in four, Oman. In Oman. So one of them is an American guy who's been living there, who's been become their teacher. Got it. Not that Got good. It. Yeah, he's not that good. Um, but he's the teacher, mm -hmm. right? And he does he does what he thinks a comedian's supposed to do. So he's up there going like, all right, let me hear this side, and putting his hand to his ear, and then let me hear this side, you know? And I'm like, ooh, uh, I'm like, this dude needs to just relax. Right. You know? Then the second guy goes up, he's actually pretty funny. And I told him, I go, you know, you pretty, and he was a local, so he was doing stuff that they all got. Uh -huh. Fantastic. Then the third guy goes up, at that point I go, let me go watch. So the third guy told me, he goes, I've never, he goes, this is my first time ever on stage. And whenever somebody tells me that, I go, listen, man, I know you're supposed to do five minutes. Right. But if at three you get a laugh, just say thank you, good night, get off. I right. go, don't worry about it, relax. Da, da, da. So this guy goes up, he's not really doing stand-up. He's doing, he's talking about Adam and Eve and some biblical stuff. And and he's told them this is my first time, which I said, I said, tell them it's your first yeah, time. Yeah, They're gonna for be sure. So great, great, great. At one point he goes, you know, and he goes, you know, we all know what women want. And I'm like, oh boy, where's he going with this? And like, you know, I said, you know, this is supposed to be a clean show. We don't know what women want. I go, oh, where? And he goes, you know, women like shoes and chocolate. I go, oh, thank God. That's all he was going to say. So he goes, so if you really want to please your, your woman, get him a penis chocolate that comes cash. I'm like, whoa. I'm like, how did he go from shoes and chocolate to penis chocolate? I go, what just happened? <laughs> I'm in the back. I'm freaking out. I'm like, oh, this guy is in trouble. You know? And, and it was crazy. And as soon as he said this, I kid you not, there was a dude in the traditional garb sitting front and center at this huge, beautiful theater at the Ritz-Carlton in friggin' Oman. This dude in the traditional garb, he gets up and walks out. And I'm like, oh boy. I go, that guy was secret police. I go, that's some shit going down right there. Well, come to find out later on that that guy, because I was doing crowd work, and that guy came back, and I came to find out that he actually had a daughter and he'd gotten a call and he had to go uh, thank right. god right but you don't know yeah. what people are going through no okay no. but the thing that was funny was like being in the moment i'm so i'm in the back i'm going like okay this dude said that everyone saw him say that i'm gonna work relatively clean but i was like i have to acknowledge that that guy said that so i right. come up i go oh man great to be here da, da, da. i go what a great show give it for all the other comic comics you've seen tonight and i go i go i go i gotta tell you though chocolate penis i was <laughs> like i don't know about that and as soon as i said that the audience just loved yep. me they yep. were like oh he saw it yeah we all saw yep. it you yep. know and and even when someone else came in a little later someone came in like late and i go where were you you missed the chocolate penis <laughs> call back boom <laughs> 30 minutes in they're with me and it was such a beautiful it's zen, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it is zen. It's zen. And because if you want if you want to fight that, it ain't gonna happen. It ain't gonna happen. It's all zen. All right, yeah. we gotta stop, man. Oh man, we it was gotta fun. stop. It, it was, was really fun. good. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Yeah.
Thank you for listening to ADD Comedy Podcast. For Dave Rosowski, I'm Ian Foley. For more information on ADD Comedy, you can visit our website at www.theaddcomedytour.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at ADD Comedy Pod. If you're in the Los Angeles area and you're interested in taking a class with Dave, you can find that information at his website at www.davidrosowski.com. Sound services for the ADD Comedy Podcast was brought to you by Post Apocalyptic.